Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. This is on the top of the list right here. Amen. Joshua 8, verse number 30. The Bible says, Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel. Moses commanded this back in Deuteronomy 27. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of host stones over which no man hath lifted up any iron. They offered thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. And he wrote there in the presence of the children of Israel. Israel. Amen. So we have an altar that is built and there's some ambiguity concerning whether there was an altar built and then a monument built or if this altar was the monument. And since there is ambiguity I'm under the persuasion that the altar was the monument. But Moses etched upon then in my estimation etched upon this altar the copy of the law of Moses. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you here this evening, and I'm thankful, God, once again to be occupying, Lord God, this space and this place. I pray, oh Lord, that you're able to help us, God, in the next little while, that something, Lord, could be, Lord, imparted, something could be said. I pray, Lord, that would be beneficial, perhaps, Lord, for somebody's life. God, beneficial, Lord Jesus, for somebody's life. God, I know, Lord Jesus, I need your word today. I need some daily bread here today, Lord Jesus, that will help me, Lord, further along on my journey. God, and I'll praise you and worship you, God, for what you say and do in this place. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray in the church, say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in the lovely name of the Lord. The verses of scripture in the latter part here of Joshua chapter number 8 are somewhat peculiar being that they are right here where they are placed in the scripture and where they evidently have happened in the word of God. A little background to what has happened up to this moment of time is that the children of Israel having been led now by Joshua the one who has taken the place of the leadership of the children of Israel instead of Moses the one that actually took them across the Jordan now into the promised land. They were entering in there, and most probably people here may be familiar with the story of Jericho, how that was the first city that they were to take in the land of Canaan, and how the Lord had spoke to them with very detailed instruction how that ought to happen, how that ought to take place, and how they were to march around the city seven days, and on the seventh day, seven times, They were not speaking anything. There were no hoorahs being made. But upon that seventh time around the city, they were to shout and blow their instrumentation. And in doing so, the walls of the city, the Bible says, fell down flat. And they were given victory in that first city in the land of Canaan. It was then upon this this great victory that they proceeded forward for another victory. 
uh, that they thought they were going to secure. They go to the land of Ai. They go to spy out the land, and some of the spies came back and told Joshua, Joshua, it's not really all that big of a city. And for that matter, I don't think we got to take everybody that we have within our manpower in order to defeat this city. So just send us a few and we will go and we will be victorious over this city as well. As the story goes, they send fewer people than what they thought was necessary or needed. They go forward to fight against those that were in AI and to their surprise, they come back with their tail tucked between their legs and they were defeated. That caused then for Joshua to evaluate himself, evaluate the children of Israel, wanting to know what it was that God would prosper them in their first battle and that they would be defeated in this second battle in taking Canaan. The Lord spoke to him and everything came to a head that there was someone that had taken of the accursed things of uh, the victory of Jericho. Achan had taken a Babylonian garment, a wedge of gold, and he had taken these things and hid them in his tent. And because a man had sinned against God, then the whole nation of Israel had suffered from one man's sin. One man's sin. And they were not going to be able to be victorious or go forward until that man's sin was contended with. Until that man's sin was taken care of and just as a side note tonight not really about what I want to talk to you about but let it be known that what you do in your life does affect the life of your church known unknown hid and quite evident it matters not it affects the life of your church Amen. But regardless, they went and they took care of business. We, are, we will not do to you what they did to Achan and his family. And that is they stoned every last one of them. Amen. And just put a heap of stones upon them. Amen. But after this was taken care of, they go back to Ai for the second time. They get their soldiers in line. Everything seems to be proper because they've taken care of the sin that was within the nation of Israel. And there's just a little another matter on that. Achan was the one that had sinned, but the Lord denoted it as though Israel sinned. Because until you take care of sin in your surroundings, God's going to count it for the sin of all the people until someone raises a hand and says there's something going on. Amen. And so whenever you had done this and everything was in order, they're going back the second time against AI. And the Bible speaks about the ambushments that they had to set, the strategy that was set, all these different things that were put in place to secure their victory on this occasion, that they would be triumphant in battle. And they were indeed triumphant in battle battle but the hardship of the story is this they had to do a whole lot more in getting their lost ground than what they had to do to lose it there's a whole lot more effort that was involved when you look at Jericho walking around walls that there's not a whole lot involved there walking around walls and seven times on the seventh day in order to get victory but when you look at AI that seemed to be a city that was that had less 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 fortification uh, less if you will enemies less uh, weaponry they had to do a whole lot more to secure this because it was ground that they had lost already in their life and lost ground is always the hardest ground to recover 
And so they go back and they come forth and they are victorious in this day and they're happy. They, they have slain the king of Ai. They have put him down. They have raised a great heap of stones upon him and it seems like the pace has been set. That God said, I'm going to give you Canaan. They have Jericho now under their belt. They have Ai now under their belt. It is, it is seemingly as though they are on a row with this victory stuff. They are on a row in being victorious and hammering everything out in battle. And my mindset and probably the mindset of every other fighter would be this. Honey, we got a good thing going here right now. And you know how it is when you have a good thing going, then don't let her stop, right? We, we got a good thing going right here. We've already won against Jericho. Now we've won against Ai. What is the next city on the list? that we can go to and pledge battle against and come forth victorious. And so just as sure as the common man would have done that, we see something kind of out of character right here. And the Bible says that Joshua takes the whole nation of Israel. They're going to travel about 30 miles north to a place called Shechem. And the Bible says when Joshua gets there, he's not raising sword. They're not getting out their, their weaponry or their shields. Uh, they're not screaming and hollering or doing no walking around another Jericho or another city. The Bible says when they got here that Joshua built an altar. And I think then there is something to be learned in that simple statement for you and I in the church today. They had victories going. They had something wonderful that was taking place. A lot of successes that were happening for them as a nation of Israel. But God had already ordained through the mouth of Moses when you cross over the Jordan, something that you didn't do 40 years earlier, and you already take a couple of those cities. He says, I want you to build an altar unto the Lord. What was God saying, do you believe, Pastor, to the people and the nation of Israel in that moment, in that hour? I believe what God was telling them is this, is that in all of the results of your victories and everything that you got going on, that you could just keep going on, never, never have oversight and think that you can't take time to build an altar and offer worship and prayer and supplication and dedication to God. What do you mean? Because I know how McGee is. Man, when a good thing starts going and the wave is there and you want to surf it, you're saying, let's go on and get this thing going. Let's do this. But in the process of victory, if you don't watch yourself, you can forget what secured you the victory in the first place. In the process of being an overcomer, you can forget how you overcame. And God wanted to mark it down upon the calendar of the nation of Israel. I don't want you to get so caught up in your success and so caught up in your victories that you forget from which your victory had flowed and which it had came. You need to stop in the midst of being successful and being victorious and build an altar of worship, praise, adoration, and sanctification unto God. The old saying is true that success has ruined more people than failure ever has. And I think the fact of the matter is this, is that they've stopped. They have, they have forsaken to stop and build an altar. The Bible says that he takes time then. It doesn't seem normal that he would do this, that he would take his people 30 miles in a direction that's in, not in the direction of the next city that they are to overcome, but for the purpose of building an altar. I think there was something that wanted to be very much so described to those Israelites. You are never too busy to take time. You are never too busy to take time to build an altar in your life. 
demands and schedules. Listen, there's always going to be a new demand. There's always going to be another schedule. There's always going to be three meals a day that's vying for your attention. There's always going to be a work schedule. But among and amidst it all, God wants us to know we should never be too busy that we can't take time to properly build an altar. Amen. We build that altar. And he built it, the Bible says, on Mount Ebal. And according to the word of Moses, he made it out of host stones. Just like it was prescribed in the scripture that there was no iron that was lifted upon these stones. In other words, they were not hewn stones, but they were whole stones. They just grabbed them and put them in a heap and put them together to portray an altar. And they put offerings of burnt offerings and peace offerings upon that altar. It's amazing what starts to flow when you get an altar built in your life. Oh, yeah, because once they got the altar in place, their sacrifice, their offerings, might I say their worship. Once they got their altar in place, then that impacted the way that they worshiped. Honey, whenever you get your prayer life where your prayer life needs to be, it'll impact the way that you worship whenever you're the house of God. It will. It'll impact what you offer up to God. Yeah, in those moments when you get your prayer life in the place that it needs to be. Now these these were these were whole stones, not hewn stones. He said, "I don't want you to lift a, a, a instrument of iron upon them." And the reason why is because if you start lifting an instrument of iron upon them and fashioning them, you might fall prey to the way of the Canaanites in the land that you are going to, because they lift iron upon their stone, and when they start chiseling away, they're making gods out of creatures and gods out of moons and God out of stones and he says I don't want you to make no 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 stone no no iron upon the stone because I don't want this to be something that you think your hand is fashioned I don't want you to think this is something that you've devised and that you thought of and you remember no 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 he says let it be unaltered let it be the way that God created it to be and you put it together and that let that be the place where you worship let that be the place where you pray let that So he says, don't lift anything on it. You're going to have your offerings there. You're going to worship there. But then it says, verse 32, and this is really what has grabbed my attention in all of this, that the Bible says, he wrote there upon the stones. The stones of this altar that has been created. He wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses. And he wrote it in the presence of the children of Israel. You read in Deuteronomy 27 and it's as though there's some type of plaster, that's what the Bible calls it, that they put upon these stones to enable them to write upon the stones. The Bible says they wrote the law of God. He says, don't put a tool upon it, write my law upon it. It was a very common practice in the land of the Canaanites, that they likewise, whenever they were victorious over cities or lands, they would likewise put up some stones and they would plaster them and they would whitewash them to make a flat surface, so to speak, and then they would write on them 
And these Canaanite kings and Canaanite generals that were victorious, that were celebrating great victories on their stones, they would write the story of their victory. They would brag about how they humiliated their enemy and these other nations and cities and towns. And so it was the story of their victory that they would brag about upon those stones what they had done how they had overcome. And so if you could imagine the children of Israel in the land of Canaan, perhaps with some Canaanites in eyesight, all around seeing that the children of Israel are on the verge of riding on these stones, wondering, I wonder what type of victory story they're going to write on these stones, what type of bragging rights they are going to include there. Oh, they're probably going to brag about overcoming Jericho. They're probably going to brag about overcoming Ai. They're probably going to tell the story how they were strong and dominant in battle, but to their surprise whenever Joshua starts writing. He's not writing about their victory over Ai. He's not writing about their victory over Jericho. He's not bragging about what he's done as a leader. He's not bragging about what Israel's done as a people. But when he starts to write, he starts to write the law that was handed down from the Mount of Sinai from Moses to the people because he said, let me tell you something. I want to start writing about the law of God because me as a leader, I don't have anything to brag about us as a people we don't have anything to brag about if we're going to brag about anything I'm going to tell you that our victories are as a result of the law that I'm putting here upon this altar and our submission to that law I don't have anything to boast about tonight. Amen. I don't have anything to boast about. Paul said if he was going to boast in anything, he was going to boast in Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I don't have anything to boast about. I don't have no victory story to brag about because I understand I am what I am because I've submitted myself to a higher power and a higher authority. He says, so what I'm writing on this altar here is the law of God. And because of our submission to the law of God, God has come down to giving us this victory today. But you see what develops with an altar. You have an altar in place. That altar then affects the way that you worship. And then that altar becomes a place where the word of God is dispatched. Uh-huh. Because now, every time they frequent this altar, they can't frequent the altar without refamiliarizing themselves with the word. They can't frequent the altar without reading some of the law of thou shalt have no other other gods before. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. What are you talking about today? Preacher, I'm talking about this. There is great value in the altar that's in your life. Because when you frequent the altar, it's more than just a prayer time. It's a time where worship is provided. It's a time where you reacquaint yourself what God has said to you. Yeah. Oh, I, 
I'm all for coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, any other night we got in between, please come here and we give the precious word of God and that's great and that's wonderful coming from the mouth of whoever is speaking up here but honey there is nothing more precious than in your hour of prayer that God begins to speak his word and God begins to speak his law and God begins to speak his commands. How many times have I went on my knees in prayer there was nobody else in the room but God's word was speaking and saying McGee I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I'll be with you all even to the end of the world. How many times have I went to prayer and God was speaking his law and his word unto me. Nobody was there. But my altar was there. Praise and worship had happened. And his law was speaking to me from his word. Amen. Something vitally important here. That the altar that is erected here. Some call it Joshua's altar. The altar that belonged to the people. I read a little bit over the past few days that there are actual archaeological digs that verify this altar in this place of Shechem. They have found really what seems like altars upon altars within this very location. Because it is Shechem where Abraham first built his altar. We read of in scripture that Isaac also had built an altar in this vicinity. That Jacob has built an altar in this vicinity. They have found literal proof of altars upon altars in this area. I mean altars built upon altars. They have found actually the bones of kosher animals. Amen. Tucked inside the walls of these altars. Insomuch that the archaeologists say this. They say we believe these altars have been here since the time of Abraham. Since the days of Abraham. Insomuch that the altar of Joshua has been built upon the altar of Jacob. And the altar of Jacob has been built upon the altar of Isaac. And the altar of Isaac has been built upon the altar of Abraham. In other words, what they were saying is this has been a long time place for an altar and it was good enough that every generation seemingly from Abraham to the time of Joshua has been so determined about an altar being there that whatever their forefathers had stationed there they're going to use some of the timber or more likely the stones use some of the stones and just put the stones of their altar upon where their forefathers had their altar This is not a Father's Day sermon, but it goes real well that when men can go back to places where generations before them prayed and just put their stone upon where the stone of their dad and their grandfather was and said if it was good enough for them to pray here, if it was good enough for them to worship here, if it was good enough for God to speak to them here, then it's good enough for my generation and it's good enough for my children. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. If you'll stand with me here this evening. I told you I surprised you. We've had a lot of worship too. So God prescribes then that in your conquest and in your conquering, Number one, don't ever forget to take time to build an altar. Number two, when you build your altar, you're providing a place for worship. Number three, 
Whenever you have that place of worship, if you'll allow it, if you'll look closely, if you'll open your ears, God's law in God's word will be spoken to you right there in the place where you build your altar. I pray tonight that somewhere you have a place that you say, this is my altar. This is where I pray. This is where I take time out of my day. This is where I take time out of my schedule. And I prepare a place. Don't allow life ever to get so busy that you don't have a place to build your altar. And here is sometimes what has to be done in those moments. Because I understand life gets busy. I understand that very greatly, that life gets busy. But if you got to, sometimes you got to rearrange your schedule like Christ. And you got to get up before it's day. Or there's times you got to stay up before it gets, you know, stay up until it gets dark and thereafter. And you got to purposely put in your life, amen, an altar. Because if we were ever detached the success of what we're having from what God has established as an altar in our life, then we have missed it all. If the children of Israel just go on and fought another day and fought another day and got to a place, you know what? Forty years we couldn't do this, but then somewhere in the 40th year we could and still think that they did that on their own would be a fallacy. They had to understand where that came from, where that victory was attached to, and it was attached to a God. Attached to a God that loved them enough that he desired a relationship with them. How? Through the means of a prayer and an altar. The glorious thing about the law being on the altar, and I've said this for years, is that in prayer, and Bishop has said, you know, prayer is not just a one-way talk. Amen, right? It's a two-way talk. I think with great, 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 uh, purpose that the, the law was written on there because I oftentimes speak about the word of God like this you know it's important that you have prayer and your word daily in your life because I see it like this that whenever I go to the Lord in prayer many times I'm talking to God but whenever I get to his word God starts talking to me God starts talking to me and I need to hear what he has to say I don't know really how interested sometimes he's, he's about what I got to say <laughs> Sometimes I'm not so much interested in what even I got to say. But we need to hear from God and we need to speak to God. We need to have a place prepared for sacrifice. If we bow our heads in this tonight. God, I'm thankful, Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.